welcome to our segment, A Beer With. Today, we're having a beer with Eric Sachs, CDD supervisor. Glad to be here. Drinking, what is this, Sweetwater? Sweetwater. It's a hazy. It's a hazy. Can't go wrong with a hazy. It's good. Made in Atlanta. Yeah. So many of you may remember Eric from being our first guest on our inaugural episode. Uh, the point of a beer with is just to get to know him a bit more on a personal level. So, Eric, you talked about uh, that you were a many-year veteran of the Air Force and retired, and we thank you for your service there. I know I'm fascinated by the cool stories. You got a, a story to lead off with of your military service? Oh, man, I've got so many good stories. I, I remember a good one uh, about you on the hillside above the Taliban. Oh, Oh, that's a that's a rough one. Okay, wow. first first time I was getting, ever in a gunfight. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was it was funny. Um, not funny, but uh, first yeah, first firefight I was ever in. Uh, we were. What happened? Okay, yeah. So there was this mountain. <laughs> there, there's this mountain, and it's got something on it. We're we're in this little uh, forward operating base with I think there was maybe fifty of us. Uh, I'm the only Air Force guy. Everybody else is Army, Ranger tabs, all that kind of stuff. So you're the brains. <laughs> it's it's a typical. I have more no responsibility here whatsoever, which was awesome. You know, I'm like, they got it. <laughs> I think there were the the leadership. There were four captains, and anybody who knows, I mean, that's we're young guys, uh, a lot of more in, experienced people, but older enlisted. It was it was a fun time to be out there. But there's a uh, this mountain that over that's over the camp and. We saw something, uh, antenna compound, something that didn't belong up there. So they brought in a, uh, a Blackhawk and just lit it up. And the next day, we planned a that mission. That sounds so badass. <laughs> let, set, let a mission to go up there and basically do some uh, some battle damage assessment, right? We wanted to see what was up there, what did we hit, and I wanted to go along. I was uh, working in a civil affairs capacity, which is basically helping to rebuild the country. I'm like, <laughs> I better come with you to see what we what we blew up. And as we're climbing, we get about, we, we have to go dismounted. We take Humvees to get out there. We were about halfway up the mountain, and all of a sudden, we just start getting just you hear small arms fire all and it's the first time i'm ever really getting shot at and the first thing it's just you make yourself flat to the wall get down and i i'm i've got an interpreter who's basically just attached to my hip and we're we're talking and look down in the valley and if you picture being on the side of a mountain and looking down and it's kind of an arc because it's round you know and i'm watching the arc and there is there are muzzle flashes all around this arc <laughs> and it's just a bad situation. They're trying to call in for air support. There's nothing around. But as this is going on, I'm, I just happened to look out of the corner of my eye, and I could see across the valley there are these two tanks that have always been in this this valley with us. And they're maneuvering. They're turning. And they're, they're uh, Afghan uh, tanks. Uh, they're former Russian. I mean, they— the Russian stuff is still there, which is fascinating from the 80s, and it's still working. Oh, well, some of it. These two tanks, and I see this one just maneuvering. I'm like, what do you think he's doing over there? And all of a sudden, I see the flash. And I'm like, no. And I, I just, we do. We all just get down, and he fires maybe, maybe 50, 100 feet above our heads. And the rocks, I can hear rocks falling down. And I'm yelling at my interpreter to yell at the Afghan army guy who's got the radio to tell him to stop shooting. <laughs> and it became one of those where we were more afraid of the tank across the way than we were of the guys with the small arms below. And it was, so it was, <laughs> it was one of those that after the fact, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While it's after happening, not, not so, so much. Prepared you well for the role of a CDD supervisor. Exactly. After Fine. that, probably tame. 
Well, you know, it's one of the things I've always noticed out there, and I'm, <sighs> other people can probably attest to this. The combat was never the tough part. It was the it was the bureaucratic part. It's the paperwork. It's the dealing with everybody yeah. when you get back to the base. So yeah. when I'm on the little base with 50 guys, it's easy. When I get back to the big base where the generals are sitting and everybody's worried about what everybody else is doing, that's that's the challenge. I, I would always prefer to be out in the field. That was just yeah. how it was. Yeah. Well, again, we thank you for your service there. So. Um, where are you from? I got I got another fun one. Now. Okay, yeah. Okay, go ahead, so go another ahead. one. I told you guys that I ran the uh, the training school, officer training school, and there are a million funny stories from that. Not as as cool with the gunfire and all that, but uh, one thing I never knew is the number of people who you tell them that they have ten minutes to eat will need the Heimlich maneuver. No kidding. Every class, the first week, we're like, you've got 10 minutes. 10 minutes is a reasonable amount of time to eat. I don't know about you, but I don't take that long. And, uh, yeah, oh, my gosh, we've got students having to give each other the Heimlich because they're trying so hard to get it down real quick, and it's like, doing that thing. Um, we had people who just lose it that are just clearly not made for military life. Um, I had one young, one young man who just one night, he just couldn't take the pressure, and he takes off. He just runs. And so we're getting calls because I'm, I'm at home. You know, we, we have uh, the cadets watching over each other when we're out for the day. And, yeah, this kid took off, ran across, across the parade ground throwing clothes. So he was, he was streaking. <laughs> half naked. Through ended the quad? Half naked on the parade ground. Uh, just And they, they called the, you know, military uh, security patrice, uh, police to come out and what do you do? <laughs> Just craziest things. Uh, but it's funny because it, it is that time. And I'm sure everybody military who's listening has their great basic training story. Imagine being there for three years. The number of great stories you have. I, I love that. Here, well, we're going to need a longer show for that. But I've got great stories. It's like a few good men, right? Yeah. 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 Where do you hail from, Eric? Okay. So uh, originally I grew up uh, on Long Island in New York. My dad was a New York City cop. And as all good New Yorkers, when he retired back in the, the late, was it late 80s, early 90s, we moved down to South Florida. Oh, so New that, Yorker in Rivertown. That's where you go. Oh, a New surprise. 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 I actually had somebody when, on, on the Facebook page tell me to go back to New York. You know, wow. I grew up in New York. It's not like I'm from, I've lived, I mean, we moved down here in, I want to say it was like 91 or something like that. So I'm guessing that I've probably been here longer than they have. But the fact somebody that, said go back to New York, and the fact that again I'm military. The reason why I wasn't I left Florida in the first place was for military service. It was one of those that it's like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna let this roll off, but not really. <laughs> so where um, where do you get your bagels and pizza from? from? <laughs> <laughs> not around here. <laughs> no, where? I will tell you. You've got there is fantastic food here because my last military assignment was Montgomery, Alabama, and nothing against you if you're from that area, but I'm just not. I'm, that, is, that is way too deep south for me. I grew up in New York. I came down to South Florida. That's the majority of where I've been, and now we're, yeah, we've, sending me to Montgomery, Alabama was challenging, so. <laughs> so on a lighter note, yeah. um, what are some, what do, I mean, you're obviously drinking one of our mm. free, free beers over there that yes. we provided for you, but uh, beyond that, what do you like to, uh, what do you partake in when it comes to uh, a drink? Life outside I'm, of CDD? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm I'm a beer guy. Uh, my wife, Vanessa, is funny. She she makes fun of my whiskey face because 
it, it is quite funny. If you see me drink a whiskey, it's embarrassing. I, I won't do that in front of you. I do beer because I don't have a beer. Right at my alley. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, typically, though, like Blue Moon, big fan, or you know, Yingling has a new black and tan beer. Delicious. Got a beer guy here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Blue Moon who puts garnishes on their beers. Yeah. Yeah. Have an orange. orange. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. So, where in South Florida did you grow up? Uh, Coral Springs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Lived down there. Went to high school there. Finished up there, and then immediately I went into, I went to basic training three days before my basic uh, before my graduation. So I never actually got to walk the stage. It was one of those things that the timing worked out, and they're like, "All right, Eric, we got a seat for you," but. It's on the 13th of June, and your graduation's on the 15th of June. So what we're going to need is a note from your parents and a note from your guidance counselor saying that you've met, you will meet the qualifications, but you just have don't have a diploma yet. So I went as early as you legally can, and yeah, it was it was awesome. It was a great career. It was funny. I went in for four, ended up staying for. 26. That's awesome. <laughs> crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So you told us uh, you told us yeah. a great military story. What's your best CDD story? Oh. See, if I tell, start telling CDD stories, people will know who yeah, I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll tell you that, I mean, the Can the you biggest, change the name of some faces? Yeah, the, I don't know. The biggest know. thing was just the challenge of, I, I thought, I came in expecting that people would be willing to make at least some sacrifices for the, their neighbors. I thought that was what we all did as Americans. I didn't realize that it's not universal. Um, and maybe it's supposed to be. I always thought it was supposed to be, but it's it's not. So when I would come in and, and make these proposals, it's like, yeah, I get it. It's a little bit of a sacrifice, but we all move forward. And they're like, well, screw you. I'm like, that that was my – I was shocked, and that's why I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe nonprofit is more where I need to be, people who care for other people. I don't know. So you're saying there's some people that are not like State Farm? No. And that good fences make great neighbors. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the answer to "Will you be my neighbor?" is a resounding hell no. Right. Well, I also I'm I'm always a fan when they're like, somebody will say, "I'm going to do whatever I want in my yard." Screw the CDD. I'm like, I don't care what you do in your yard. That has nothing to do with the CDD. PSA. That's not the CDD. Yeah. Or the you know we're we're just trying to spend money. I'm like you know I pay those as well. We're we're just I will tell you that every. I want to speak for the other board members, but that is the one thing I see universally. Every one of those board members is trying to do everything we can to keep the cost as low it's as It's their possible. money, too. Exactly. So so quick question on that. Yeah. If, could, I mean, do you have to be a resident to be on the CDD board, or could, since it's an open political position, could anyone run for it? Yeah, it's one of the requirements is you have to live in the area, and that's area. why we've lost CDD members in the past. Once they move out, they're no longer qualified for that seat. You could almost make an argument you'd have better... Uh, less partial if you, if you had an outsider. Um, yeah. Well, the good thing we have is that's why we have uh, GMS, which is our management company. They're, they they manage, I can't it's dozens of different districts. So they, they understand, okay, what, what's going on, how this works. They, they know all the players. And they also can give us advice on, because I've done quite a few times, it's like, okay, we're bringing a new program here or we're trying to do this better. Talk to me about the other districts you're managing and see who does this better and what can we right. import. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Let's exactly. just steal what somebody else is doing better. I will yeah. say there was a guy at one of those meetings, and, and he was – it wasn't one – the attorney is a woman, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. This was a guy, and he was uh, a little arrogant, if, 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 if I'm uh, being honest. I, I mean, he – I don't know. I, I think his attitude may have rubbed people – 
the wrong way. Uh, he was uh, a little bit of a. I wonder which one authoritarian. He was. Um, How long ago was that though? Because there was a changeup. We did was, have a changeup. It was yeah. around the time of that last. Um, okay. Yeah, that was that was probably the 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 manager for GMS who has moved on since. Okay. And we have got a, a new manager who is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, because yeah. this guy, I don't think he realized who was paying the bills, but. Yeah. You know. Absolutely, and then and we Me. do have. We do have some people who are, I mean, again, our, our lawyers are fantastic. The, the counsel that we've got for them, but I'll tell you, this is another one I learned, new CDD supervisor 101 kind of stuff. Every time I send an email to the lawyer, the, the district is getting billed for that. <laughs> So we have to be very careful, right? That, Make that's sure it's one of a those, long email. But it's one of those things. It's like you don't even think about that because my background, I always go to the lawyer to make sure that we're, are we good with this? Does this make sense? And I do that as a precautionary because the lawyer was never an, an additional fee. It was always, you know, I go to my lawyer, the, my military JAG, and they take care of it. But here, yeah, if I go to the lawyer, wow. if I go to the engineer and ask a question, we're on the clock. So I have to be very, very cautious. So they're not on like a retainer that's just a fixed fee. It's by the second. We are wow. paying. We are paying those kind of rates. And that's why our GMS is not that way. So our, our manager, the, the district or yeah, the district management company, them we go to we can so go you, to any time. You email him all the time. I exactly. I can send him emails. You guys can send him emails. I've had people ask me for like information for the lawyer before. Oh hell no. Because if a civilian or a citizen, right, sends an email to the lawyer on behalf of you know, a CDD issue and they start clocking us. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> That's a good point. But anything we you want, I, I'll give the information for GMS. If you guys want to talk about the management company day to day, who works with the other districts, they'll be glad to talk to you. And he's uh, the guy who's there now. Uh, his name is uh, Mac, but we have two Macs now. <laughs> we have Mac on the board and Mac, who's the manager. He goes by Howard as well. That's his first name. He's fantastic. You can send him an email if you want to say, hey, so how do we compare to other districts? Which I do that all the time. Does this make sense for us? So, I mean, because if you're not asking, like you said, why are we reinventing the wheel? If somebody does it better, let's let's learn from yeah. them. Let, let's ask the burning question. Yeah. How do we compare to Nocatee? <laughs> what is that? is so much bigger. And they've got the staff, like the CDD, we don't actually have any staff at all. We just, it's the five board members, and we've got contractors through GMS, Vesta, all that kind of stuff. Over at Nocatee, my understanding is they actually have people who report directly to the CDD board that the CDD is paying I want to say it's a significant size step, and they also can generate revenue by having events that they do let outsiders in. Like if you have a, a big event and you invite the community and do admission. Yeah, I went to a car show over yeah. there. Fantastic. Huge. I don't know if we'll ever be there. I'll tell you one of the issues I think is on the horizon for the CDD. <laughs> one day we're going to have 15 supervisors for Rivertown. Right, because you have the three districts, and once they start turning them over to the the uh, community, fifteen is unmanageable. I think long term we need to consolidate and go back to a single district once the developers are out. But again, we're we're years down the line. But I think that's more of where Madame is. Once you can get one district together to organize the whole thing, you will be in better shape, and we'll be able to go more like that. But right now, imagine fifteen supervisors. It it just won't work. Yeah, that's a lot. I bet Nockety doesn't have a podcast. <laughs> I bet you're right. <laughs> well, back well here, Eric, uh, yeah. we're thankful that you came and, and were the guinea pig for us. We're grateful for that. Uh, I know we live on the same street, and we've talked a little bit about this. 
Uh, I'm very interested in what you're doing besides being a CDD supervisor right now. You want to give a plug to Operation Lifeline? Absolutely. So I told you guys about how I came out, and I'm like, I want to continue doing public service. And I, I did this this uh, CDD supervisor, and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to help the community and the neighborhood, but it's, it's not exactly what I was hoping for. Uh, I've spent as... As I mentioned, I spent my whole life in service to other people and, and trying to help. And uh, I did, I've done a lot of humanitarian work, and I realized that it's an area where I still have a lot to give. So what we've, I've done is I, I opened a nonprofit, and this nonprofit focused specifically on uh, veterans in the area and those specifically who are not doing that well. Those are in the, the lower income, uh, folks who are struggling to, to make ends meet. But specifically, we're looking at people who do have houses because we, we, I've run into quite a few people who these are older people. They have family land, family house, but the house is falling apart around them and they have zero way to ever fix it. And so what we do is we come in and we do rehab work for them. So we'll go out. I've got I'm a general contractor. I've got a team. We go out there and we'll do this repair work for them at no charge to the veteran and make it just make it clean, make it safe, make it accessible. And I'm That's super awesome. excited about that it. It is awesome. That is cool. Yeah. We've, we've, we, uh, in our first year, we've, we're only about a year old, but we've already gotten a, a grant through the, uh, the county. And they've, uh, they've given us a good, sizable grant that we're going to be able to help at least four or five uh, families this way. And we're hoping this will continue and push further. We're also uh, going to be doing some affordable housing. I'm, I'm really excited about cool. that. And you'll hear more on that soon where we're bringing a program in through USDA to help people. Uh, one of the other challenges we have just in St. John's County, and I'm sure you've seen this, is the people who work here can afford to live here. And I don't, it's just not right. I mean, we're talking about teachers. We're talking about deputies. We're talking about... My uh, wife's a teacher. Yeah. Is she up for a subsidy or something? <laughs> no, but what we're looking at Always is... Always looking for a <laughs> It is so expensive to build here. It is so expensive. And I, I don't mind plugging it in there that, um, I, I don't know if you guys are aware, it costs, anybody who's putting a house in St. John's County, it's going to cost them 35 thousand dollars for impact fees that means every new unit here thirty five thousand dollars goes to the government so we we keep running into this I, I see it all the time it's like well you know we can't keep on bringing people in because there's no money for this it's like actually the people coming in are bringing significant money i'd just like to again not to call anybody out but you really need to talk to your county government about how they're spending that money and how they're planning for the future and the growth well, especially St. John's County. Uh, I've lived in Northwest St. John's County now for, gosh, 18 years. Mm -hmm. So I've seen this area explode. Um, and there's no planning. There was not a planning committee. There was nothing for the County, 210, County Road 210 corridor. Like, it was, there was just a few neighborhoods and that was it. And then it started exploding. And then they started wrapping their hands around it. Only when the community went forward to talk about it. Yeah. And even now the infrastructure does not support the amount of homes that are going in. And that's where I think we need to start stepping up a bit is not so much worry about what's happening. Yes, of course, within our own neighborhood, but what's happening in the surrounding areas. Because I, I mean, super big plug to the guy that doesn't like the Wendy sign that just went up. <laughs> but I promise when the landscaping's done, it's going to look super nice. It's mm -hmm. a short one though. It's I was going to see it's a short sign. Yeah. It's a single stack. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, a single sack. It's, it's not, not a baconator. It's not a junior baconator. Yeah. But imagine if it was, because yeah. that probably would have happened mm -hmm. 15 years ago mm -hmm. because there was no planning. Yep. Right. It, you have to look at holistically and you have to, I, I keep on seeing one of my frustrations, again, from a military background is we've, it seems like St. John's County is very reactive. 
rather than going out there and being proactive and going, hey, we need to address what's going to be happening in the next 10 years. They're just trying to get their hands on what started two years ago. Yeah, I'm sure they were caught off guard a bit by, you know, the mass influx. I mean, right. who would have thought it? And... Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, your wife does such a great job teaching, man. Everybody wants to be here. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's, that's why we moved her. here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's what everyone's doing. We we decided on Florida, and then we started going down the list. We're like St. John's County is the place to be. And I think that's that's what most people who come here do. <laughs> Eric, before we let you get out of here, I do want to uh, give an opportunity. If, if Operation Lifeline accepts funding from charitable donations other than the grants, is there a way that people can? Do that if uh, if they're so inclined. Yeah, How would absolutely. They go about that? No, we we definitely definitely appreciate that and can use that. Uh, we've got our website is o p l i f e l i n e dot org, oplifeline.org. and you can see in there where you can make donations. And we're also looking at putting together a team of volunteers because we keep on running into projects. We had a project just a few weeks ago where a uh, a company gave us twenty five volunteers for five hours. What we could do with that many volunteers was fantastic. We completely, we demoed this old deck behind this veteran's house. He recently lost the ability to drive. He doesn't really leave his house anymore, but we need him to get outside and get some fresh air, get some sunlight. That's so important for his physical and mental health. So we demoed out this old deck, which he could not go out on. It was just falling. He'd fall through the, the deck. And we put in a new one, a, a reasonably sized one, and we were able to get donations from the community and these uh, 25 volunteers, and it was fantastic what we were able to do. In the future, I'd love to give the opportunity for Rivertown to put together a team of volunteers, and I will set up the project, we'll get out there, and we'll knock it out. There's a lot of handymen here in Rivertown. Absolutely. There is. some magical work. So in regards to the volunteer piece, yeah. and just think about all the kids in high school age, is that something that would be opened up for high school age? Because they have to have a certain amount of uh, volunteer hours right. before they can graduate. We're, we're absolutely looking into that. What we're trying to do right now is actually open a schoolhouse that we're going to be teaching veterans as they transition out of the military. We're going to teach them construction and do pro do these projects as part of their training. I'd love to expand that. I'd love to expand that to to kids, uh, not kids, but you know, teens who who are interested in vocational skills. Um, I'd love to expand that to some of the people right here in our neighborhood who I know one either have have the skills and we don't really need to train them but i've met i've met some great people in this community who don't know have the know-how but they have the willingness to learn and we've we've worked with some people <laughs> right around the block uh i've got to throw out names so you, you, there's a really nice woman who we spent uh, about a week at her house just teaching her how to do some of the framing around windows and things like That's that awesome. and it was it was so cool she so appreciated it i'd love to have her come out to some of these projects oh, that'd be cool Eric, I uh, live down the street from you uh, for our listening audience, and I see you and Vanessa loading up the RV from time to time. Absolutely. So I know you like that. What's the coolest place you've been since you've owned the RV? Oh, man, that's a tough one. We did a really cool trip from here not long ago. That um, It was a, a couple weeks we went up. What we do? We did the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Then we went across to – we went in the Shenandoah Mountains, or maybe that was on the way back. No, okay, Buffalo, then Cape Cod, then Shenandoah, and then working our way back down. Wow. And it was just, again, it was so, we did so much in such a short time that it was just awesome. That's terrific. And the family <laughs> so, gets along well in the they fine do. quarters. I'll tell you the one thing that you guys will appreciate. As a supervisor, I do occasionally get in trouble from the HOA, which I love. Um, <laughs> for my, my camper, which I put in there for under the, the required amount, I, I'm out of there within 24 hours, but somehow I, I tend to occasionally get that note saying 
you're not supposed to have this here, and I, I get to have the article. Yeah, you don't say. Because Dan called on you. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. It's, it told it's us not be. to tell him. But we're even, Stephen, because you're having a beer <laughs> yeah, with us, too. He made up for it. See, there, there it is. That's all. This yeah, is someone, all someone posted today, actually, about people calling on other people and asked if we could make that a future topic. Because um, someone wanted to put artificial turf in their backyard. Oh, I yeah. saw that. Someone was like, and someone else tagged me and said, put it on the podcast. Yeah. So I think next time we need to talk about snitches. Yeah. You know what happens to snitches. <laughs> snitches, my friend. But, you know, and there were, again, that, that is a really cool topic to take, right? Because what can you get away with, what can't you? Oh, I've gotten away with, well. <laughs> well that, now, we're not going to talk know. about it here. <laughs> but, people know. I mean, but, I think, uh, maybe to wrap it up here, what are some of the things coming up with the CDD that, that, that people should know about and, and be interested in or things that, that people should come to the meetings and hear yeah. about? So I hope people notice that one of the biggest changes I think we've seen, and it's happened very recently, is we changed out the landscape companies. Uh, not going to badmouth previous landscape company, but we've got Yellowstone in now, and they are fantastic. I don't know if you've noticed them with the vests. They always wear the vests, and they're, they are just Who everywhere. was it before? Just out of, just it like, was uh, Vertigo. Vertigo, that's right. Right, that's right. and it got really confusing because we had two V companies Vesta working in here. Vertigo, Vesta and Vertigo. Vertigo. People blamed one for the other, but we've got Yellowstone in here, and they have been fantastic what they've done to transform it here and the one of the things i always harp on is being not being reactive being proactive and they are right now or i'll tell you a few months ago we're working for summer already they're already doing all the work they need to do to make sure that rivertown is beautiful when the summer comes so that's been fantastic um another and they are our largest by far the largest contract that we've got out here i mean everything else is just a joke compared to what they're doing, but this is a huge piece of property. I think that's what some people don't um, get the grasp on, right? Yeah. Is if we think about um, the management company that we currently use, right? To cover the River Club and all the other amenities. And then we think about the landscaper. There's not many in Florida that can handle exactly. a community of this size and the scope of work that's needed from a contractual standpoint. And we're very limited on who we can get. So I think yeah. it's more so, you know, I think it's fantastic we swapped landscapers because I see a big difference. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, Vesta is very open to the adjustments and we've had personal meetings with them just around the performance of certain areas in the neighborhood and they've been very receptive to making those adjustments. So, um, I think, you know, we'd have to really think what are those things that we can do that are solution based and bring solutions to the table versus show up at a meeting just to complain. Yeah. Right? And I think that's where we're going to see the most traction. So and it's and also nice to see that you guys listened and, and made a change because I know there were a lot of. Yeah, comments about Vertigo, and now they're not here. And Absolutely. so, you know, you well, guys yeah, listen. We get we get targeted for we're we're anti kid, we're anti golf cart. I mean, you guys who know me, I got kids in golf carts, so I mean, it's not at all true. Um, I think it's kids in golf carts. That's what it is. <laughs> Red golf carts. Yeah. <laughs> Or going around the roundabouts at excessive speed. Okay, so the one thing that everyone, we didn't talk about that we do need to bring up, because the, the cost, what drives the cost for the CBD, which, again, we, we do need to bring this up, because this was one that I was on the board probably, truly, until I really understood it, a couple of years before I saw this, this whole reserve study. And basically, our, our, our rates, the CDD rates, are set at what we're going to pay, sure, for the contracts each year. And we're looking at that. But what we're really looking at is our capital reserve. How much money do we have available for the things that need to be fixed each year? Because we can't 
let the community fail. That, that is unacceptable. So we do this study, and we're having it redone right now that looks at everything that the district owns and then puts in, okay, you're going to need to invest, let's say, $20,000 into this facility in 2024. So you need to make sure that that money's there. That's the big one. So right now, we need to make sure that the, the reserve amount is at the right amount to be able to fund the next year. And that's what a lot of people don't see. They're like, oh, well, you're just raising rates because you know, for salaries for Vesta. Vesta is such a small part of our contract that really isn't it. What it is is we have to make sure that the river club or the river house doesn't fall apart. Or if there's a new roof that needs to go on in 10 years, we need to be able to be putting enough away that we're not gonna have to slam the residents with a tremendous bill all at once. So that's that's where we are and that's why there is some sticker shock when you're like, why did it go up? What, what's the difference in services? Well, it's not difference in services. We need to make sure that we can maintain what we have. So financial responsibility one-on-one. Exactly. Some but people, people don't, don't People don't understand They don't teach that. it in school. And it, as I've said, we have to pay it as well. So our timekeeper just gave us the note. Uh-oh. We have to wrap up a beer with Eric Sachs. We thank you for being here. It's been amazing. We want you to come back because there's going to be more stories and um, <laughs> more shenanigans, as we like to put it. Absolutely. Well, as long as you got the beer, I'll be here. Sweet. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for coming. For joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you.